You got the music down quick, Zach. I couldn't get my thing on fast enough. Unbelievable. Zach and I got here with Kelly at 7 o'clock this morning to set up. He's like, Zach is the most faithful, awesome person. We would not, this would never happen if it weren't for Zach. Um, but we were getting out of our cars, and there were people lighting fireworks off in the neighborhoods. <laughs> we were like, who's doing this at 7 o'clock? And we couldn't figure out, like, is it they're still doing it from last night, or is it they woke up now to start again today? I'd never think to do that. Um, I was going to share one of my favorite Fourth of July moments was, was last year setting off real deal fireworks. Um, we, I didn't understand. I didn't think you could actually buy real fireworks. I thought you'd have like a. I think you do to have, to like the huge ones. But um, our friend Brian and I went to a fireworks stand in Iowa. And in Iowa, you can buy I guess a lot bigger things. And we bought like the mortar ones. You put in a tube, and then they go. Foof! And then they explode. And we didn't realize they were like real ones. So we just let them off like in Kelly's parents' patio, like behind their house, as if they were like sparklers. And it went, foomp. It was very loud. And then like, you know, fire rained down on their house. And we're like, oh, we should probably go in the lake. And it was so much fun, at least for me, to get to light them and run away and almost get shot. Uh, it, it's a, it's like an, a wild tradition, actually. Um, I was recently talking to someone who's newer to uh, America, and they're asking about it, and they just said, I still haven't figured out the connection in like shooting off fireworks and independence and all those things. I said, I don't know if I've thought much about that, um, other than it's the thing we do. Um, and it's got me thinking about traditions. Today, we we're looking at a parable that has a lot to do, I think, with this repetition um, we're going to continue looking at a parable that has to do with uh, encouraging us in our prayer life. Uh, and it, it uh, has a lot to do with tradition. It was making me think of what kind of things are traditions or habits or things that we repeat, often things that we stop to remember because we want to honor them, or maybe we just want to remember a moment in history, uh, whether good or bad, just to say, hey, we, we're thankful we're out of that, or we're thankful that we're still doing this. We see this throughout scripture. We see uh, God set up these festivals so that we continue these repetitive uh, moments to remember. Uh, we see this in our lives like for birthdays, right? We celebrate birthdays usually because we're thankful for the person and thankful that they were born, that we get to be with them and hang out with them. We celebrate uh, things like in our house, a tradition we have that's a weekly tradition uh, is that we have pizza night. We have pizza and a movie night. I searched for pizza and a movie night, and this was like the image I got, the first one which is like a wild stock photo of a guy watching a 3D movie, apparently, in his home. <laughs> I don't know. I love it because it doesn't seem real. Uh, but that's one of our favorite traditions. In fact, we've had Friday nights where we're doing something really fun, and our, our girls say, we can't not have a pizza and movie at our house. Yeah, but we're, like, we're at a water park. Yeah, but we, we got to have this. There's something uh, even reassuring. There's something encouraging that like shapes us about this is though a thing that we do together that that doesn't change we have traditions even i think daily right you, you may be someone who wakes up and has a certain routine that you do that you repeat that maybe starts your day right uh maybe it's coffee and you read the paper or you read the news on your phone um or or maybe you have a tradition every night like maybe uh after you get all your hard work done you sit down and watch a certain show or maybe to celebrate everyone in your house that's shorter being asleep you Maybe watch a movie. It's part of your daily rhythm. Or even I was thinking how um, I was looking back at a string of texts from a certain friend, realizing that um, every day about the same time, I have a friend who sends me like a just this goofy meme. 
Um, and I think it's like right around the time he's getting like bored or needs a break at work. But it's like this kind of tradition that each day I know like at two-ish, three o'clock, I'm going to get like a funny meme from him, which I kind of look forward to every day. Um, but yeah, or maybe you're sending a text on your Blackberry. I don't know if those are still things. Anyone know Blackberries are still things? Maybe? Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I got a thumbs up. You have one? Oh, I thought maybe you were, I thought maybe you were the guy. <laughs> the one person still with a Blackberry. We have the things that repeat right throughout our day. We, I remember this even in the, when we were studying the book of Hebrews, this idea of over and over again. We have all these things that repeat, these traditions. There's something about a thing that goes over and over again that shapes us. And that's what today's parable is. So we're in the second of kind of three parables that Jesus told about prayer. Um, and uh, we, yesterday, or last week, we got to look at the parable um, of Jesus praying, his disciples witnessing him praying, and they say, he teaches how to pray, and then he shares the Lord's Prayer, and then he gives this great parable um, about a person having a friend come at midnight, and then them going to their neighbor to say, hey, I don't have any bread to, to give this person, and then being persistent. And they use this phrase, this shameless audacity, um, this boldness in saying they stayed there, and they just said, I need uh, this. Even though this is not conventional or maybe even uh, acceptable. I, I just, I need this bread to care for this person. And the person gave them bread. And then it was encouraging us to remember that we have a father who uh, makes us family that we can go to, that we can be bold in our prayers, that he listens and that he does get good gifts and all because of Jesus. So our first week of prayer, we, we were reminded that we can pray bold prayers. And even just uh, getting to, to preach last week, this whole week over and over, I've had moments where I thought, I don't need to bother God with that. I thought, oh, it's so silly how often I have that moment of like, I can't, I can't pray. Why can't I pray for that? Why can't I have a bowl that seems kind of maybe uh, unconventional or it seems maybe not okay for some reason? And I think, no, I can ask God for those things. Um, and so this week we're in our second one, which is going to remind us to pray often or all the time. Um, and next week we get to look at, oh, look at that. The screen was not wide enough for that. Uh, we get to think about praying humbly. But first, this week, we're going to look at what it looks like to pray often. So we are looking uh, at a, at a um, parable this week that is a story about a widow approaching a judge in her community. And she's going to, uh, this parable a lot of times is called the persistent uh, widow. She is going to stand before this judge and she's going to cry out uh, for justice, for vengeance, uh, for the right thing to be done over and over. And we're going to get to see what happens. So Jesus tells this parable in the midst uh, of his disciples with kind of Pharisees standing off to the side, religious leaders, uh, right as he's also talking about kind of the end, that there'll be this time when we are going to suffer, we're going to continue to, to be faithful, but one day God will come and make things right. And then he decides to tell this parable. So this is the parable that we're in today, the story of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them uh, that they should always pray and not give up. This is a nice parable because it actually gives you the, the little uh, intro, right? So, so if nothing else, while we're reading it, we can think, okay, this one he's, he's given us to remind us that we should always be praying, that we shouldn't give up. Okay, that's good because that's something I'd like to do. I'd like to pray always and I would like to not give up. So he says this, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, 
Grant me justice against my adversary. So we have, we have this setting for this. It's important that this passage actually says a certain town. When Jesus does that, often it's so that it kind of feels general, like you could place these people in your town. Uh, if he gives us specific locations, uh, then often it's, it has a lot to do with that location. This is just him saying, hey, there's a town, just like your town, and there's a judge who didn't fear God. He didn't care what people thought. In some translations, it actually just says he didn't care about people. And then there's also this widow who comes in and says, grant me justice. This word could also mean vengeance, or it can mean make things right against my adversary. It says, for some time he refused. I mean, you'd hope a widow would come to this judge and he'd say, yes, someone's treated you poorly or, or isn't paying you or isn't doing something right. But it says, for some time he refused to do anything. But finally he says to himself, picture the judge to himself, he's, he's off watching this widow walk up to him again. And as she comes, he says, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice or vengeance, or I'll make things right so that she won't eventually come and attack me. This phrase actually, come and attack me, is actually the, uh, a common phrase uh, that means give me a black eye. So he actually says, literally, uh, in the original angel says, I'll, I'll make things right so she doesn't eventually come and give me a black eye. I love that his motive goes from, like, I don't care about God or what people think, but I care, I don't want a black eye. I care what my eye looks like. I don't want to get hurt by this widow, which I just love. What kind of, what kind of widow is this? That he's not just worried, like, she's annoying, but he's like, I'm going to physically get harmed by this woman. I love, I love that picture. And so we have two people in here that we get a little view of. Jesus is telling us to consider what it looks like to pray all the time, to not give up. And then he tells this story about these two people. The one, the judge, who didn't fear God, didn't care about people. That phrase is very similar to the phrase we see throughout Scripture that we're supposed to love God and love people. It's like the opposite of that. I I don't care for God. I don't really care for people. We do know this, though, about judges. If you hear the word judge in Scripture, you may think back to even like the book of Judges, uh, or you might think throughout the Gospels when we hear about judges or leaders in the community, that often they're motivated uh, and that they uh, embody a picture of the people who are powerful, the people who are wealthy, the people who are busy, as in they have a lot going on. They don't really have time for other people. They'd be very comfortable and they'd be very safe. We just see some of his motivation changing because his safety was being affected. And so he's willing to fight for his safety in order to uh, help this widow out. And we see they're often motivated by power or wealth, not necessarily motivated by compassion, which we see in this story. So Jesus uses this judge because the judge would have really quickly clicked for people. It would have went, they would have went, okay, this is a person who really is like <clears throat> wealthy and they're really making a lot of decisions uh, uh, that should be like right and good decisions, but they're really making them to keep themselves or maybe even other people in the community uh, like Pharisees who are listening in on this parable, keep them wealthy and powerful. And so a person like a widow comes up and, and that would have clicked also for people in that time. They would have went widow. There's lots that connect to a widow. Uh, this, this widow we see as someone who's persistent. We know that she has some kind of adversary. We usually in that time, because a widow um, doesn't have a husband and maybe even not a son to represent her, people might owe her money, but because of her weaker status, because of her low status in society, they might get, get away with not paying her. 
They might get away with taking things from her because they know that people like this judge might not really care to, to take care of her. And so she has someone who has been against her and she wants justice for that, things to be made right. Um, she wants that word actually can mean vengeance uh, because something's wrong. But in that time, there had been a lot of widows who never would have got justice. Things would have just continued to happen to them. They would have, they would have had low status, viewed as weak. They would have been poor and, and often in a very hopeless state. She was motivated by this justice, and she would need other people to, to survive culturally. We might also see her and think of other widows. In time. Throughout Scripture, this widow is an interesting person because they would have been very low culturally in society, but God often uses widows as this like hopeful person, as this, this image of strength. I, I think often because he likes to use vulnerable people who are seen as weak and show the great strength they can have with him. We see widows um, being defended in Scripture. And actually, Old Testament, over and over, God says, you need to take care of these people in your community. And often, many times, when we hear about judges, like in the book of Judges, we hear about judges uh, turning. It says they turn away from God. They follow their own hearts. And one of the first people who are often hurt in those communities are widows. They have no one. They, they often are killed or are disconnected or even sent out of those communities. God cares deeply for these people. And we know when Jesus comes, he cares deeply for widows. In fact, his mother becomes a widow. And as he's dying on the cross, one of the last things he says is to make sure this woman is taken care of. Jesus at one point even curses people who have been taking advantage of widows, which, which for us might be like, oh, of course, that's terrible. But culturally, there would have been an acceptance of like, yeah, but it's, but it's a widow. Like she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't really have status. She doesn't have a job or money. Like, I mean, that's bad, but and Jesus says, this isn't okay to treat these people this way. You might also, if you hear widow, think of some of the great widows of the Old Testament. Um, as Israel's called to care for widows, we see stories of Naomi and Ruth, both widows uh, relying on the strength of the Lord, overcoming great obstacles. We see stories of Abigail and Judith. We hear other parables where widows are used, where the widow gives her two coins. Remember this parable where she gives just two coins uh, and they say that she actually has this pure heart because she gave everything she had. She actually becomes the model of what it looks like to be faithful to God, not the person with all the wealth who gives some of their wealth. We hear about the, the widow of Zarephath who shows great faith. We also hear about Anna the prophetess who, if you remember, this is just a little bit of, in scripture, uh, this is the one that Jesus meets. Her husband uh, dies when she's only seven years into marriage. She's a widow for a very long time, but she commits to praying uh, and wants to one day meet the Savior who's going who's gonna to rescue everyone. And, and she gets to, she waits for Jesus. These widows are celebrated. It's this crazy thing where God flips on its head. If someone's going to write a story about a great champion and a, and a person of strength for them culturally, they would not have picked widows because widows were seen as, as low and poor and hopeless. And God says, no, these are the people actually in that state that can, that can give you great strength. So I, I love that Jesus uses the widow here. So we have this really two people in very different places culturally, and we see one of them actually get what they're asking for from the person who normally would not give what they asked for. And so the parable 
wraps up. Jesus kind of explains it. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. So he says, you hear what the judge said? He says, even though I don't want to love, fear God, even though I don't want to care for people, because I'm worried I'm going to get a black eye, I will. So this is one of those moments like we heard in the other parable. He says, even if this judge, and the last one we heard, even if evil fathers, this one, even if evil judges still can bring justice, make things right for this widow, can you imagine what your God could do? So he says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who carry out to him, cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. Things will be made right and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? R.C. Sproul sums up this passage for us. He says, the point of the parable is that they should always pray and not give up. Thanks, R.C. Sproul. We already read that. But then he expands. He says, we are not to give into despair or hopelessness, thinking that because God has delayed giving us the total fulfillment of his promises, Ultimately, he is going to for, for uh, or ultimately he's going to forget about us. No, he tells us to keep praying and to not give up. We're not to be vengeful; rather, we are to suffer in patience. For God says, "Vengeance is mine, and I will repay." We have a divine pledge that we will not that we will be vindicated for every injustice we have to suffer. So this this passage, uh, R.C. Sproul here is is encouraging us. This is a passage that reminds us that we have a really good judge. We have a really good father. We have a really good king who, who does love people dearly. And so when we come to him and, and, and cry out for justice, cry out for things to be made right, he, he does it. Can you imagine how much more he does that than the judge who doesn't want to? We have a God who, who uh, we can cry out to. This passage sometimes has been used as an opportunity to say, you should just keep crying out to God, and eventually he'll just give you then what you want, right? In a sense that we become like the kid, right? I, I want it now. And then God becomes the parent <laughs> who just says, fine, I'm, I'm so sick of this. Do whatever you want. But and I think this passage gives us a lot bigger picture. This is a moment, again, where we get to say, well, how does the gospel, if we lay the gospel over this, this story that Jesus says, it gives us a lot bigger picture, a lot, a lot clearer picture. I think this is where the, we get to hear the good news that comes out of this parable and not just, uh, hey, you should pray a lot and then God will give you things. This, this passage, as even we're reading this and as you're hearing what this widow is like, I hope you might have moments where you go like, I, I get that. I get that feeling of crying out. Uh, things are, are, are not right. Things have been done to me or things are happening around me that aren't right and I don't, I, I can't necessarily do anything or I don't know what to do and this isn't right and you cry out over and over, right? This is us. We, it, in the story, we have a moment to say, oh, this widow, that stinks for her. We could say, wait, this is us. If we pull back and think of the gospel, we get this opportunity to say, this widow is us, that we have an adversary, who's causing a lot of problems, who's stealing hope from us, who's come to seek and destroy. We, we can have a lack of support or means. We cry out for justice and vengeance and things to be made right. We see darkness and sin around us being used to make some people feel stronger or wealthier. People feel like they're more important. 
and others being hurt, we, we can feel like we have this low status, we have this weakness, that we're poor in spirit and can become hopeless. We need someone else to survive. And so in this story then, if that's the end of the story, then we are crying out to God. And if we're not careful, we might believe that if we cry enough to God, if we do enough, if God eventually is like, I don't want to get a black eye, then I will make things right. I will rescue my people. They're, they're, they're waiting, they're drowning in sin. They've cried out long enough. They've done enough and I'll save them, which isn't the gospel. We have to remember that in this story, we are the widow. We have a God who deeply cares for us. Jesus is the one who makes it happen. We could cry all day and all night. We could throw as many punches as we want to cause as many black eyes as we want. But we, we actually are sinful. We actually are guilty. We actually do deserve a judge to say, hey, you've committed a crime. And only because Jesus comes, and cries out on our behalf. Only because Jesus comes and gives of his own life and pays for our guilt does the judge say, okay, things are made right. This parable reminds us not only that we can cry out to God and that we should continue, but that the reason why God responds is not just because we cry out a lot and do all the right things or say the right prayers. It's because Christ has come. He's pushed us aside for a second and said, let me talk to the judge. He says, I I, want to take their penalty. I want to take the charges against them. I'm going to go on a cross. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to take that. And then when I rise from the dead, I'm going to bring them with me. And the judge says, one day when we all meet, I'll say, are you perfect? And you will have been clothed with Jesus and you'll say yes which is good news, friends. And so for us to consider ourselves to be people who not only pray boldly, but pray often, to have persistent prayers, that has to come from a faithful heart. But a faithful heart only is given by a faithful God, which then leads to the end of our passage, which leads to a faithful life. Jesus ends this passage with a weird question. He doesn't say, so then can you keep praying? Remember, he says, when I return, will I find faithful people? And so he's saying, I want you to keep praying because somehow prayer actually causes you to be a faithful person because this persistent prayer changes your heart because God continues to change your heart, which then leads you to continue to be faithful. Dallas Willard says this, um, I love this. He just changes his phrase a little bit. This has changed how I think about my, my prayer life. Don't seek to develop a prayer life. Seek a praying life. It almost as prayer isn't like one, one tool you have in your belt. It's like just is part of you. A prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. You end up feeling guilty that you don't spend more time in prayer. Just that. I was like, how does he know that about me? That's very true. If I just have this prayer time and I don't do it, I, I feel like, ah, oh, I, I didn't do it. I didn't keep doing it. God's not going to do what I want him to do because I didn't keep doing what he, I think he needs me to do. But he says, eventually you'll probably feel defeated and give up. But a praying life is a life that is saturated with prayerfulness. You seek to do all that you do with the Lord. It changes this, it changes how we think about it, right? This praying life, what does it look like to, instead of saying each day I'm going to have a five-minute time to pray, what if it's all the time I believe I'm actually with 
a person who I can continue to talk with? What if I'm with a person who I can continue to cry out to and that person continues to deliver me, continues to rescue me, continues to give me hope, continues to give me joy in the midst of suffering? There's this thing about traditions, this thing about a habit that forms you and shapes you. Something you do over and over. And this is where I think um, Jesus encourages us. He calls us to pray often, not just because he's saying you should do this because this is what people do. This is what disciples do because the way prayer actually shapes us and forms us. This is how I've been thinking about it. Um, Sometimes when I, uh, sometimes uh, Kelly has left town for like a night or two and she'll stick a post-it note on our mirror that I don't notice. She does this all the time, but I still never like anticipate it. And then it, like in the morning, or maybe she'll leave early in the morning, I'll get up and there'll be like a note on our mirror that just, you know, says something nice, like, like how much she loves my beard. That's never been a note. But something nice, like how much she loves me. There's something about waking up, looking in the mirror and having a little note that reminds me, it kind of changes my day, right? Sometimes though that note feels like this maybe, it's like a note that maybe you're someone who has this or you actually write on your mirror or you have a note somewhere that says like, you got this today or you can do this or you're a superstar or whatever it is, right? But this note, and part of that is because every day you hear this thing and every day that thing reminds you of maybe who you are or what you're supposed to do that day or how much, how awesome your beard's looking, whatever that would be, right? I, I though, um, without that note, I still kind of see notes, there still are kind of things that are a daily tradition that shape how I see myself and how I look at myself. Now, I don't really have these notes, but this is when I stand up and I look in the mirror. Those notes actually aren't always real helpful notes. They aren't, they aren't usually you got this notes. They're notes like, uh, hey, let's, let's try not to mess things up today, Drew. Right? Or they're, uh, hey, let's stop being bad. Stop doing that thing today. Or... Drew, could you just do more today? What did you do yesterday? I hear these same kind of traditions, these same kind of mantras over and over. Hey, Jesus, Drew, you got to make Jesus happy today. Did you pray enough? Did you get in the word? I think you said some words maybe the other day that weren't so nice. Jesus is not happy with you. Or or maybe just you're almost there. You almost made it. Or maybe there's so much to fix. Are you going to fix this today, Drew? Or maybe just to know, some days I just feel like I stand and look in the mirror and I think, I should just go back to bed. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever felt that one. It would be better today if I just went back to bed. Or even just, who are you? That I have felt that. You stand in front of a mirror, you kind of have a moment where you haven't really looked at yourself like in a mirror in maybe a little while. And you think, wow, I am old. Like, I, what is, what is going on with me? I have like scars. Yeah, like I'm definitely bigger than I thought I was. I, what, like my, what's going on with my hair? What are you even doing with yourself? Who, who are you? You have a moment, you really like consider what your identity is. Or maybe you just go, what, what are you doing with the beard thing? Right? Drew, what are you thinking? Sometimes just a general moment a general tradition daily of just just the, the thumbs down. Sometimes I just feel like I, my own flesh mixed with lies from Satan, mixed with words around me, I just think, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I think by praying often it changes this. 
Praying often just isn't, hey, that'd be nice to do, or when I need something, I do this. But if prayer becomes a a thing all day, all the time for us, it shapes us, and we get to throw those things away. And every day we get to wake up, and just by being people who pray every day, who say, God, I need you, and be reminded that he has rescued us, that he calls us his children, that he has a place for us in his family, that we have this incredible inheritance with him. Every day, that changes us. Uh, we have a mantra every day that, that gets into our head, into our hearts when we pray often that ultimately we get to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over just because we're praying and communing with God. How can we not say, God, thank you again for what you've done. And every day we get to get up and be reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done. It changes who I, who I am, what I'm going to do that day, what all my stuff is about that day. And that when I don't do it very well, there's someone who has done it really well. And that's really who God is seeing. And so prayer doesn't, isn't just, we should pray a lot so that God gives us stuff. It's, it's shaping us. It's changing us. If you want to say, I want the gospel to apply to me more so I stop saying these things or doing these things or moving towards these people or how I move towards these people, or maybe I do want to move towards certain people and love them well. It's just my heart is not motivated Maybe it's connected to your prayer life, to your praying life. Maybe a mirror with a post-it note is not your thing, but I would guess all of us have moments where we get to over and over be told a, a thing. Every day we have a habit or a tradition that tells us, informs us, that shapes us, that comes in the form of a little rectangle. What if some of those minutes were communing with the God who created you, who rescued you, the judge who said, you're okay. Because of Jesus, you're good. That, that might really, that might change. Just the act of praying is not just to ask, but to say, God, I need you to remind me who I am. What is that truth? What is, how much is this telling us and shaping us? And how much is, is time with a God, a real God who loves you and cares for you and is a judge who has made things right? I think of this, I recently read this quote um, I think this quote often, actually, when I'm thinking about praying. Uh, John Lewis says this when it was asked about what does he think was one of the reasons why the civil rights movement continued to move. He was a great activist and um, did lots of work. And, and in a question like that, I think a person might expect, like, we, did, we worked really hard. We did, we did all these great things. We persevered, which are things they did. But he, he says this, which I was so encouraged by. He says, without prayer, though, Without faith in the Almighty, the civil rights movement would have been like a bird without wings. Is that a great image? Can you imagine a bird without wings? That's kind of weird. I tried to Photoshop a bird without wings, and it looks so gross. I decided not to show it. It looked kind of like a weird hot dog thing. So I love that image. I, I think that's our lives too. What are we moving towards? How do I love Jesus more? I think without a praying life, we're we end up being like birds without wings. We're not flying. We're not soaring. How much do we, I, I, want, I want those wings to grow. I want those wings to get strong. Think of a lot smaller things in my life that I'm crying out for justice. I want those wings to move. And so as we finish our time, as we move to a time to sing here, Kelly, if you want to come up, we're going to um, sing songs uh, that remind us are really prayers to remind us 
uh, of these good truths. We're reminded today by Jesus of the story of the widow and the judge again of how helpless we were and how good it is that we have a God who persists and follows after us and dies on a cross so that we can have life and can be made right. And so I encourage us to be people who do pray often, not just boldly, but often, not just because God calls us to, but because it's going to shape us to, to be more gospel people and bring more good news to those around us. A couple of things to consider here. Um, I'm going to just for a minute, we're going to actually pray. Have Kelly play a little prayer piano. You have a prayer song you can play for us? Great. Um, and I want you to consider these things and take a moment to actually pray. Pray boldly and, and take a moment to really consider what it looks like to pray. Do you, do you know that Jesus' faithfulness allows you to be faithful in prayer? That persistent prayer comes from a faithful heart. And that only comes from a faithful God giving it to you. Maybe consider what habits or daily traditions are forming you. Is prayer one of those things that you could allow to become a tradition in your day, over and over throughout your day, that would form you? I mean, what gospel truth do you need a daily reminder? What post-it note do you need to be reminded of, to hear over and over, to actually remember? Not just when crisis hits, but what every day do you need to hear? Do you actually maybe need a post-it note on the mirror, in the car, maybe on your dog, wherever you need a post-it note. And then I encourage you, who could you be praying for or maybe even with every day this week? What would it look like for the next seven days to try to pray often? And maybe is there someone you want to do that with um, and remind each other of the gospel together? Uh, I'm going to pray for us and then just give us maybe a, a minute here to pray. And then Kelly's going to lead us in some songs before we leave. Lord, thank you for uh, this uh, story of uh, this widow uh, who is ultimately cared for by an unjust judge and reminding us of a just judge in God, a loving God, a compassionate God who makes a way so that justice can be brought. Even uh, sinners like us, even those who turn away from you can be made right because of Jesus' sacrifice. Thank you for your persistent pursuit of us that makes things right. And God, we cry out for you to continue to make things right. That we see every day things that aren't right. And I pray you would put on our hearts a desire to cry out to you, that you would change our hearts, that we'd be faithful to you, and that that would cause us to move and be faithful to bring good news in our words, in our hands, and our actions around us, that you'd use us to bring that justice. Lord, I pray that this would shape us, that our, our prayer life, our persistent prayer would shape us, so that we would not be those who give up, but that when you return, we would be here waiting. And that, that day he would make things right, that tears would end, that suffering would end. Until that day, Lord, I pray, give us the strength to, to pray, to be with you, and to know the gospel is real and true and good. We pray this in, in Jesus' name, the one who makes this, this possible. Amen. Amen.